0: This is no April Fool's joke. Our March membership campaign was so successful that we're extending it through the entire month of April. Enjoy 50% off the regular monthly or annual membership price. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code nofooling, one word, to receive 50% off our regular membership price of $50 per year or $5 per month. Members receive access to bonus content an ad-free listening experience, exclusive blog posts, an invitation to join the DSR Slack community, and more. This is a limited time offer, so act now. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code NOFOOLING to receive 50% off. Thank you. This is Words Matter with Norm Ornstein, We've got the votes and screw the rest of you. And Dr. Kavita Patel.
1: These might be some of the smaller moments, you know, with all the bombshells. Didn't catch people's eyes. Hello and welcome to Words Matter from the DSR Network. Each week, Norm Ornstein and I will talk about the issues facing our country as we head into yet again another election cycle where we're going to be asking, what are our leaders doing and saying about today's problems? And we've got a lot on deck, Norm. We are going to highlight in our members-only sections as a little teaser so that if folks are not members, there's time to join so that you can get access to this and past recordings. We're going to talk about a great article that you had in The Atlantic recently around uh, Senator Feinstein kind of calling out the Senate for what it is, which is not getting some of the work done. Um, But before we get into that, we wanted to spend some time in uh, what I think has been an inevitable, an inevitable action on the part of Speaker McCarthy with his "quote unquote" GOP package for the debt ceiling, favorite topic of ours. And I'm going to try to do like the, um, I'm going to try to do. Hey, can you describe the GOP package for the debt ceiling in like you know 200 characters or less? Uh, and I think it's easy. It sucks. I mean, it's basically like a the, the requirements for work alone are just like an insult to. You know some of the uh, very not just democratic principles, but kind of principles went upon which our country were built. So I am really eager to hear your take, and and maybe we can also dive into some specific sections because I know President Biden has had a response, a number of folks on the Hill have had a response, and I'm sure you're talking to some colleagues. But Norm, welcome another another week, another um, eventful a uh, tirade of activities and we, we didn't even get into supreme court some of these things we may not have time for this week but we'll certainly continue in our pod
0: absolutely kavita uh, so uh first i want to do a little nutshell history to put this into context please let's uh take our time machine back to uh 2008 and we have a financial collapse so uh, george w bush is the president He goes uh, or sends his treasury secretary, Hank Paulson, and the chairman of the Fed, Ben Bernanke, to the Hill to say we need a bailout right away or we are going to have something that will rival the Great Depression with a global financial disaster. And all the leaders of the two parties in the uh, Congress agree. The two presidential candidates, John McCain, Barack Obama, agree. Uh, and they bring a package together for a vote, and it fails because House Republicans vote no. George W. Bush called many of them. They refused to respond. That was a a harbinger of things to come. It was a hyper-populist, stick it to our own leader. After the package failed, the Dow dropped over 700 points. Back then, it was a big deal and they finally came around and voted for it. Uh, I I mentioned that for a reason that I'll get to in a minute. Now, fast forward to 2011. We have the Tea Party ascendant. Their leaders, including Kevin McCarthy and uh, 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 Eric Cantor, uh, decide that they're gonna use the debt ceiling as a hostage to force Barack Obama to make completely unpalatable changes. We get right to the edge of the abyss, and John Boehner, the Speaker, knowing how disastrous that would be, pulls it back. They uh, basically avoid the catastrophe, but they came close enough that for the first time in history, America's credit rating went down. But that was the beginning of the end of the Boehner Speakership because the right wing saw him as too weak. 2015, they create the Freedom Caucus because their own right-wing caucus isn't right-wing enough. Now we come to the present day. They're using the debt ceiling again, but the Tea Party people look like uh, milquetoast compared to the right-wing of the Republican Party now. Kevin McCarthy is no John Boehner even, who is not exactly uh, Nancy Pelosi, and Boehner uh, or or McCarthy is trying to fend off his right, knowing that with a four seat margin, his tenure is tenuous. And of course, any one member can call for a vote to remove him as Speaker. So he's trying to find something that will get 218 votes on the floor of the House to use as leverage against uh, Joe Biden. And yet, he knows that to go where the Freedom Caucus wants to go, which is basically to eliminate all of government, except now because they've been beaten back on it, Social Security and Medicare, isn't gonna work. So he comes up with a package that has, as you say, all kinds of ridiculous and punitive things, would dramatically cut most discretionary domestic spending, Now, uh, and for a 10-year period, it would basically wreak havoc on air traffic control, on food safety, on so many other things. But he's not even sure he's got 218 votes for that because the Freedom Caucus, among other things, wants to eliminate the Inflation Reduction Act. I will say as an aside that my suggestion to the White House was to say, all right, let's compromise. We'll simply stop all the projects in your districts. But uh, that's where we are. And what frightens me, Kavita, and has since before the midterm election, is uh, we know what happened in 2008. Despite the fact that we could have had an explosive uh, global depression, House Republicans said, screw you and voted against and waited for the catastrophe to happen. This time, I don't have any confidence even though the White House seems to have confidence that ultimately they can prevail, that we're gonna do this without actually breaching the debt ceiling. And the consequences for that, even if they come back in the next few days and then decide, okay, we'll punt on it, um, are gonna be long lasting and really bad.
1: Yeah, let's talk about this a little bit. So I wanna just dig in, uh, I can promise you that, uh, Probably much of the GOP leadership has not actually read the. It's a oh, little don't. bit over 200 pages. I've I'm about halfway through. You may have already read through the whole thing, but I can promise you, Norm, that uh, probably Kevin McCarthy himself has not actually read the 230 right. some odd pages on the bill. But to your point about hope. McCarthy hoping he can get 218 votes for a debt ceiling increase and the kind of budget cuts that would go along with it. I think I just wanna read, since it's called Words Matter, let's uh, read what some Republicans have been saying. Um, Dan Bishop from, uh, kind of Republican from North Carolina, who's a Freedom Caucus member said, that uh, he is not quote there yet with support for the package, but that it's a meaningful and robust plan. And he's very impressed where we ended up. Um, Don Bacon, Republican from Nebraska, who's a centrist, kind of considered more of a centrist or a moderate. Most of us that I talked to that are in Biden districts were supportive of it. The reason I bring up the um, Bishop or sorry, the Bacon comment is because I think that uh, first of all, I think that Mike Garcia, who is in California and had a district that was heavily in favor of Biden by like double digit percentage points in 2020, so that he was also very confident about how the debt ceiling bill is playing out with his constituents and that this is not about killing the federal government. In his words, Garcia, we're back to responsible spending that is pro-growth, pro-taxpayer, and I think this is critical here because nobody's gonna read these details. You and I can talk about the pieces in the policy that are distressing. And I like that you gave the White House a volley back on how they could negotiate, but it's actually like, I, 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 can, I don't know what their response was. I'm sure it was very polite, but it almost feels like you can't negotiate with this bill because that's what the GOP is gonna say, right? That they're not gonna negotiate. They're gonna be willing to blow it all up and walk away. I'm confident of that. That's why you know that they can't get to 218. But I'm curious about your thoughts around comments that in heavily kind of Biden districts, because this narrative of saying that places that were pro-Biden are gonna be pro this bill because of the pro-growth, pro-taxpayer, it does feel like yet again, the lies are narrating And unless we have a very sensible way on on the administration side to explain things, to counter that, those lies prevail. They're simple, they sound good. And it seems like even the crazy parts of the Freedom Caucus are trying to kind of coalesce around that narrative, but your thoughts, Norm.
0: You know, uh, I am so frustrated with Democrats, with the White House, with the Senate, Uh, The Senate is refusing to play hardball uh, Senate Democrats while the Senate Republicans are on the Judiciary Committee and the judicial nominations and confirmations. Um, The White House should be sending emissaries into Garcia's district and Bacon's district to talk about specifically what this does. But what Republicans are counting on is also that the mainstream media will continue to do what they have been doing, which is to portray this as two sides unwilling to negotiate. Uh, It's a both sides-ism again. And what frightens me, not quite as much as the economic turmoil and the pain that will be caused if we breach the debt ceiling, much less if we did any of these insane things that McCarthy and the Republicans wanna do is that it's entirely possible that voters will end up blaming Biden because they always blame the president. And I think some of these Republicans are counting on that, that if we breach the debt ceiling, the headlines in the Washington Post and the New York Times and on CNN and the other networks are gonna be um, disaster occurs because negotiations failed. And not that Republicans held the debt ceiling hostage and then executed it. Um, And that's a real problem for us. But we need an aggressive response. And frankly, we've needed it for months. The Republicans were supposed to come up with a budget long before this. Biden had a budget. And it was, okay. you want to cut spending? Show us specifically in your budget what you will do. And they refused to do that and failed to do that. So they come up with this package, which is not a budget and which not only will McCarthy not read it, the reporters covering this issue are not going to read it. And so unless Democrats frame this in an appropriate fashion, we're headed down a very bad path. And frankly, the White House confidence that this will end up all right uh, is... Bizarre to me, it is so misplaced. Don't they know that this is Kevin McCarthy? Apparently not.
1: So who's the, who is the administration going to send? I saw a Washington Post um, article that said that uh, given the economic stakes, that Biden could call on Gina Raimondo, right, like Republican experienced negotiator, could to take the lead. Interesting move, by the way, because I think this needs to come from command central. Sending a cabinet member who's got kind of a oh yeah, she's not really like one of us progressive lefties. I don't know if that's the right thing to do, and I'm a hundred percent with you. Like, like on instinct, I know that they're not going to um, publicly say that they'll negotiate because I do. I do firmly. You you agree? I think Norm, yeah. GOP is not going to. I mean, they don't they don't need to. They don't want to negotiate that kind of thing. Um, but. Who do you think they're going to send? Who's their uh, kind of, you know, as you know from working on on both with the Hill and kind of with in the administration, there's always a core group, right? I mean, obviously the chief of staff yeah. Jeff Zients is involved, but there's always this core group of principles. Who is going to be doing this on the administration side?
0: This is a tough one for them. Um yeah. mm-hmm. reasons that you suggested, and uh, this is not one where. You'll send Kamala Harris up as uh, (laughs) Obama did with Joe Biden. And of course, it's not negotiating with the Senate anymore. It's negotiating with the House. I would want to pick somebody who is familiar with all of the details of the budget and what the implications would be for the policy. So if I had to pick one person in the administration, it would be Gene Sperling. Oh, uh, good,
1: that's a good point. Yeah, we haven't heard he from has, Gene lately, huh? Yeah, 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 that's a good encyclopedic
0: idea. encyclopedic knowledge of policies could easily and probably already has read the 200 pages but knows specifically what's there. Um, and Gene, having been around for a long time, also has at least some level of trust with a few of the more senior Republicans. But frankly, the ones who could negotiate reasonably on this, uh, people like Kay Granger or Tom Cole, they're not gonna be the ones in the room. And uh, what frightens me a little bit more is that it's uh, the Republican package is basically being dominated by the most extreme figures, including from the Trump administration who are orchestrating their package. Um, But the bottom line is this, You could find some face-saving way out of this. What's a face-saving way out of this? It's a nonsensical one. But what we're going to do is to create a Simpson-Bowles type commission that will look globally at what we can do to reduce debt over a period of time, uh, and you know, punt it till next year, and then you'll have a commission that will end up not coming up with any recommendation but you'll be able to get past it. That wouldn't be acceptable to the Freedom Caucus. They would oust McCarthy for that. And at this point, I just don't see an easy way other than to postpone this till next year in some fashion for this to end well. Um, And it may be that before it ends, McCarthy is already out as Speaker, Uh, but, You know, they can bring up a package that may not not get the 218 votes because it's not tough enough for the Freedom Caucus. From what you said, uh, and what I think is a reality, the ones who are the less radical among the Republicans, the Don Bacons of the world, um, will not uh, go away from McCarthy. They're still McCarthy loyalists. And by the way, just one aside I can't avoid the the so called moderate who's trotted out all the time on CNN and MSNBC to represent that viewpoint, Nancy Mace. Oh God! Oh, yeah,
1: Carolina. yeah. Please let's 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 take apart Nancy Mace for a minute because uh, you're right. They're they're trotting she, her out everywhere. By the way, like, on everything. <laughs> it's, it's, um,
0: she just yeah. did a video saying that. The Biden family is involved in prostitution rings, among other things. Oh my God. She has gone full QAnon, and uh, you know the and. But my guess is she'll still be brought out as the so-called moderate. Why is she called the moderate? Because every once in a while she'll say, "You know, I'm not so easy uh, with voting for this," and then she votes for it. So she yeah. plays a game, but there is there are no moderates here. There are loyalists to McCarthy. The problem he has is probably not with those who know that this is disastrous, but will swallow hard and go along, but those who think that it's not disastrous enough.
1: Yeah. And 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 okay, so a couple of things on let's let's remind listeners. Number one, that this is literally uh, what the debt ceiling is and just kind of how I like to think of it and I think you've even phrased it this way Norm this is not about i think what's hard is that people want to make this republicans want to make this about you know the democrats are just running this bill that would not have any like feasible way of being managed and this is really just about the government kind of with the commitments that we have made to people again something that i i believe that i i've in reading through the bill you know, there appears to be like this agreement, like with social security and Medicare on the surface, we're not touching it, but then kind of taking swipes at things that would undercut some of the trust fund, the debt ceiling and what's at stake is really just our way to do what you and I have to do every month, which is pay credit card balances, or at least kind of agree to pay for the things we have made commitments to. This is not about new programs, very different, because I think people are to your point of the administration doing like the worst job explaining things, very different from the uh, March Biden budget, which is a, you know, president's budgets are meant to be this kind of wish list, often never achieved, especially in this climate, different, very different. And I've, I've already heard narratives where people are trying to conflate the two to confuse people. To say all those crazy things that Joe Biden wants that he's been talking about on the Hill and on podiums around the country, you know, this is time to get fiscally strong. That's why we've put this debt ceiling package out and they're doing this on purpose. Second thing is walk us through Norm just briefly. Like, you're right. I think kicking the can down the curb is like what the Senate is built to do. That's what you know Chuck Schumer is going to probably be like in the background, kind of asking for because it makes sense but let's say they can't kick the can, can down the curb what happens so what happens if we don't actually cut a deal of some kind and do something i mean it is catastrophic we i've never seen it you've never seen it but what 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 would happen
0: so here first of all on your on your first point i think the analogy here and you've raised the right one is i've got a big credit card balance but That's because I really uh, bought some things. I probably should have been more careful. From now on, I'm going to be more careful. Therefore, I'm not going to pay my credit card bill. Uh, That's uh, what's going on here. And we also have to keep in mind that Kevin McCarthy and almost all of his colleagues who were there during the Trump administration voted twice for straight increases in the debt ceiling in an administration that added trillions to the debt while under Joe Biden's administration, we've actually cut the debt by $1.7 trillion. So the hypocrisy here is almost greater than one can uh, imagine. But that's where we are, and it reflects a larger phenomenon, which is Republicans blow up debt by cutting taxes, and then complain when Democrats clean up the mess that they've left and try to undermine what's being done. And that's an ongoing pattern. Now, here's what we know. We know that when we came close before, we have two instances. Once during the Carter administration, for almost literally a matter of hours, just technically, we breached the debt ceiling. And it actually increased interest rates enough that over decades, there was a significant cost to consumers. What we also know is that just coming close in 2011, uh, that caused our credit rating for the first time in history to go down, cost taxpayers, it appears over the next 10 years, $19 billion just coming close. So what happens? Well, we have to keep in mind that the US is gonna pay its debts. This is a technical thing no other democracy has a debt ceiling. They know that you have a budget and you, if you have uh, debts that you build up, you pay your debts. We'll pay those debts. But what we also know is that if you breach the debt ceiling, you're sending a signal to the financial markets around the world that maybe your currency is not so safe. That means that people holding dollars are gonna suffer. That, by the way, will include the Chinese who hold an enormous number of dollars. It means that our costs will go up because the dollar's value will decline, so consumers will have to pay through higher prices. It means that financial markets around the globe are gonna be uh, hurt significantly and very possibly, as we have a globe that you know could go into a recession, may not go into a recession, we could get very substantial aftershocks financially. But I think we also have to consider the larger implications for how our allies, not to mention our adversaries, view the United States. They're looking at us now, watching what the Republicans have done, looking at Trump and the farce. Also, throw in to that the breach in security with intelligence coming from a junior National Guard guy that's reverberated around the world. We breached the debt ceiling. Our allies are going to look at us and say, What kind of a government is this? We can't trust them. They're going in the wrong direction. America's leadership role in the world will take an enormous hit. Our adversaries are going to exploit that absolutely to the hilt. So, The implications of this are enormous, and yet we see a Republican Party going headline towards disaster.
1: Yeah, this is, uh, I'm glad you brought up the uh, kind of security breach and like the context of how the world is looking at us, because you're right, this is not just going to reverberate Domestically, but the global reverberation, not to mention, I I don't need to remind people. I'm sure the Fed, anybody that's like kind of looking at this situation playing out, which, you know, the Fed uh, with its kind of recent cooling on raising interest rates, but still some of these, the um, IMF, the International Monetary Fund, and the World Bank making comments that they still see a recession looming, that this is all just adding up to bad you know, worse and like catastrophic. And my fear is, again, we'll probably likely see a can getting kicked down the road, but I'm not sure that it doesn't serve us well, because I don't see this situation from the electoral makeup, from the way things are getting kind of, you know, gerrymandered and rigged around the country. I, I don't see this electoral map changing in a way that swings in the favor of making the conditions more favorable for a rational discussion to your point of a Simpson bowls or some sort of bipartisan commission it makes all the sense in the world, which is exactly why it won't get done. And so I think, uh, well, we'll stay tuned. We'll keep this topic live and fresh with listeners because I, it's McCarthy said that he's planning to bring this to the floor next week. So Usually, as that announcement is taking place, then you know that they're getting kind of everything from the arguments and negotiations ready if they are indeed negotiating. But, you know, McCarthy has to negotiate within his own party. And given the sweeteners that we usually see that get put on things like this, it's not going to be clean if they do try to get something done. It'll be interesting to see, just like getting McCarthy himself in office, what they've had to concede to, what he's had to make agreements for, he's gonna be in the same situation. So I'm interested in seeing that. So we'll wanna thank our listeners. We had uh, a lot of topics that we wanted to tackle. The debt ceiling is just one of them. We're hoping to get back to you. Uh, The Supreme Court as you know, Norm, has said that they needed more time and they said that they would make a decision by midnight Friday around Pristone. And it's hard to tell based on arguments that have been presented, like if there's any leaning one way or another, but that's another topic that we're monitoring. And you mentioned the security breaches, kind of what's happening in like the world of cyber. I think that this is uh, also unfolding in uh, the state of Montana being one of the first states to also regulate TikTok. So we're seeing like some very interesting flexing of like state jurisdiction and muscle that uh, I think you know the Federalist Society would probably applaud and say this is democracy working, but it's creating a, a very interesting time as we head into 2024, uh, still with no Biden announcement. So we'll we'll pick up, and I'm not surprised by that, but just a state of where we're at as we're recording this. But I want to thank everyone for joining us, and hopefully you can uh, rate and review, subscribe to this feed, pass it along your, to your friends and social media, and then become a member of the DSR Network. We're going to talk about um, our My colleague here, Norm, has written a nice piece about Dianne Feinstein talking through actually more about like what's the Senate doing and uh, what should they be doing and the responsibility and jurisprudence to how senators and elected members should think about their own roles. So in, 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 in the end, we hope that we deliver on value, send us any feedback. Words Matter is a production of the DSR Network. Our executive producer is the incredible Chris Kottnor, and we hope to see you soon. Next podcast should be in your feeds on April 27th.